Welcome to the Longevity Forum podcast, a series on achieving longer, healthier, and more fulfilled lives for as many people as possible. In this session, we are very happy to have Jim Mellon, co-founder of the Longevity Forum, who will be leading a discussion with Kristen Fortney, CEO and founder of BioAge Labs, and James Pyer, CEO and founder of Cambrian Biopharma, on the future of youth's interest in longevity. Now to you, Jim. Welcome, and uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, I'm very fortunate today to be hosting two of the exceptional uh, leading lights in the gerontology longevity field. Uh, most of you will know them or of them because of their involvement in the uh, Longevity Week activities and, and as founders of the Longevity Biotech Association. They are James Pyre and Kristen Fortney. The first question I'm going to ask them, and directed to Kristen first, is you are both, because I know you, are fresh-faced, young, enthusiastic, full of life. The thought of old age is something that probably hasn't crossed your mind, except in regard to this uh, longevity science that you're pursuing. What drives young people, and there are quite a few of you actually, to be involved in a scientific endeavor for which the results for yourselves are decades away. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and first, thanks, Jim, for having me. Uh, it's great to be here and to, to chat with you guys. I guess a couple different answers there. So, so yes, I am not suffering too hard yet from the ravages of aging. <laughs> that, that said, aging is universal. It does happen to everybody. It's certainly happening to friends and family. Um, it's pretty unique in, in its universality, right, compared to other specific diseases. So I think it's, that's one very compelling reason to work on it. Um, the other reason, you know, which is true for me personally, but I think for a lot of other people in the field, is just realizing the kind of outsized impact you can have as an individual working in the aging space. Like where we are right now with the science is that there are a handful of interventions that have been shown over and over again to reproducibly extend mice lifespan and health span. And if those findings, those scientific findings could be translated to humans, the results would be immense. It would be so much more positive impact on the healthcare system on lifespan and health span than, you know, another therapy for a very specific disease where maybe you're extending survival and healthy life by a few months to a few years. These findings that, that work in animals like mice if we could bring them to humans, they could add 10 to 20 years of healthy life. And I think that's a really um, exciting mission. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm delighted you're, you're doing it because I obviously want those 10 or 20 years and there's not as much time left to me as there is to you two. So, James, what is your perspective on that particular question? So I think the driving one, and I would echo Kristen on this, is the maturity of the science. If you look at anyone, right? Young people who are choosing a field to enter, you find young people entering new fields at kind of the cutting edge of where technology is today. And, and so I think for many of us that were making these decisions in, let's call it the, the early 2000s, 
the aging field was kind of just on the cusp, right at the the edge of becoming a real thing. And we could have gone into cancer biology. We could have gone into you know uh, developmental biology. My PhD training is in stem cell biology, but but the the thing that fascinated me scientifically as I was choosing my career path was, could we create a unified understanding of aging? And there were professors in this space already, but most of those folks are were and still are academics. Um, and so I think many of the, many, but not all, of the now leaders in this space have spent their entire training as scientists, uh, as entrepreneurs, thinking just about this aging and longevity field and have come up with really different perspectives than someone who has spent their life in pharma or in other parts of academia and is only now coming to this longevity field. We work with a lot of those folks, uh, but I think that the concentration of leaders in this space that are in this new generation is partially because we have spent our entire lives and academic training thinking just about this and have come up, I think, with some new ideas. I think Kristen's journey, kind of studying the biology of aging and and then coming to to run BioAge is a perfect example of this. And I think I, I came at it from a somewhat more circuitous route, but it's not so different. That's fabulous. Okay. Let's get to the the kind of nitty gritty of this, which is your respective business models, either of you going down the path, and I I actually know the answers to these questions, but I'm asking for the benefit of the audience. Are you going down the path of trying to find drugs and therapies that work for specific indications, which might then lead to amelioration of some of the hallmarks of aging? Or are you specifically going for drugs that can alleviate some of the hallmarks of aging? And we'll start with you, Kristen, if we may. Our approach at BioAge is that we're really pursuing therapeutics that will eventually directly target aging. That's sort of like the first box we have to check, right? So we're looking for mechanisms where eventually the the population, the target patient population is everyone, focusing on really basic mechanisms of muscle aging and immune aging. And you did touch on specific indications, and I think it is important to mention that, you know, aging itself is not um, a recognized disease. It's not something you get a a drug approved for. It's not even clear how you would run that clinical trial uh, without taking an exceptionally long time and, you know, for a very high cost, a large number of patients, et cetera. So a lot of us in the field, um, and I know James thinks deeply about this as well, are, are really going after very particular focused diseases first. And that's certainly our approach at BioAge. But we're fundamentally focused on mechanisms that we think will improve aging. And we intend to expand those indications over time. Thank you. And James? I want to echo Kristen's comments 100%, maybe add two additional comments here. The first is that we call this approach uh, or at least I call this approach the stepping stone indication approach to longevity. So the idea here is that you start with some acute disease that has a really clear path to running clinical trials where you can test a drug, sometimes a brand new drug, uh, for safety and efficacy in some disease. And now that you have a safe and effective drug, it's much easier to build the investment case to say, all right, now we're going to do these long-term 
preventative trials, because that's really what a longevity trial would be. It's a prevention trial, not a, you know, you're not treating aging, so to say, you're preventing these multiple morbidities that are the outcomes of aging. That's how the FDA is going to look at this. And interestingly, a drug kind of like that, or a class of drugs kind of like that, have been approved in the past. They are the statins that we use to treat high cholesterol. And those statins followed a similar path of stepping stone indications, where they were first approved to treat rare genetic hypercholesterolemia, right? Children with mutations that gave them very, very high cholesterol. All of the statin drugs were originally tested in those children. And only afterwards, they ran the longer, tougher, more expensive prevention trials to show that they could impact uh, heart disease outcomes, initially in elderly people, and then in younger and younger cohorts until we have you know, the proliferation of statins that we have today. I think close to 40% of people over the age of 55 in the US are on statins. It's an enormous number or at least they're prescribed statins. Um, And I think what we're going to see in the longevity space is somewhat similar. So now we get to the difficult question of money, because we we all know that biotech, at the moment at least, is a sort of funding desert. And it's always, you know, biotech companies are always in funding mode. You both are scientists by background. What what made you sort of shine on the funding scene? Because you both raised large amounts of money. Why did you manage to succeed in raising money when there are so many companies run by people of equivalent age to you, which are just un- unable to uh, raise funds? What, what makes you distinctive in that regard? Uh, Kristen, would you go first? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, partly, as we discussed earlier, aging is kind of this big new untapped space, right? Where where a lot of these mechanisms and these drugs that influence aging can also be curative for diseases. And this is an important sort of other side of the coin, right? Like while these drugs might slow aging in the long term, um, in the near term, they could actually help people with diseases in very well-established markets. And this is because your age and your aging is a driver. So for so many of these, you know, expensive, deleterious diseases that ultimately kill you, um, whether it's Alzheimer's or heart disease or even your susceptibility to, to COVID and other infectious diseases. So there's, I think, this recognition that there is this enormous potential in, in sort of targeting aging um, in the clinic that really hasn't been realized before. Like the science, as we discussed earlier, is brand new, right? These mechanisms are ripe for translation now. So I think that the space, the fact that we're focusing on this new space um, is very exciting to the investors that we've partnered with. Um, and our vision to be broad too. That's another important point, right? Like a lot of bets in biotech are are very binary. You might have like one drug or one mechanism that we're, you're pursuing. At BioAge, we're very deliberately building a portfolio, a broad portfolio of different mechanisms um, that we can advance rapidly to clinical trials. So I think if I were to name three things that I think are, are important to our approach, it's sort of the, the ambitious vision for aging, the portfolio approach, and three, I would say, is our, our de-risking human data first um, discovery engine. So at, at BioAge, we have human biobank partners where we have samples that we've analyzed that track human aging over decades, right? Because humans age, uh, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over decades. And we have some very special biobank partners that started collecting samples from people 50 years ago. 
then those individuals were tracked for the entire rest of their lives. And, and we were able to leverage that to run basically a 50-year experiment. We can measure the levels of tens of thousands of molecules um, at midlife in these patients and ask which ones correlate with long-term outcomes. And that's appealing to investors too, because it's, it's de-risking, right? Like, for example, we have a drug in the clinic today, which we think is going to positively impact muscle aging. It's an, an apolin receptor agonist. And we discovered that humans with higher levels of apolin live longer, have better muscle function longer. Um, and that tells investors and it tells us, uh, one, that it's safe, two, that it's efficacious, um, and three, that it's like actually matters in the human. So I think that those are probably the, the three pillars that matter the most for uh, BioAge's particular approach. Oh, fantastic. So, James, do you have any different wrinkles on that particular view of Kristen's? Going second every time after Kristen is always a, it's always a hard act to follow because I could just say the, those three things are all really important. Although one of the differences between Cambrian and BioAge uh, is that, you know, as Kristen was talking about, BioAge was built on top of this amazing human data set, whereas Cambrian is in more diversified along tons of different mechanisms across the whole spectrum of, of the aging field that have been actively validated in in vivo mouse experiments already. So we take a slightly different approach, but sit try to sit on top of the field with established mechanisms that have worked in the aging space for years and years and years, but have never made the jump from the lab bench to human translation for a number of reasons. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this is like the mTOR pathway, right? So a drug that targets mTOR called rapamycin is the best characterized drug for slowing down the aging process. And there is there are actually two drugs, rapamycin and everolimus, uh, that are both now generic uh, that we think could have this property, but they are slightly the wrong drugs to run in prevention studies of the type that we would do to chronically treat people to slow down their aging or to prevent multiple diseases. Their safety profile is not quite as good. They have some other issues that you know make them imperfect drugs. And so we've taken novel chemistry in modified the sort of backbone of those drugs to make safer versions that would be suitable for chronic use are using those in acute indications first and then hopefully have a drug that can finally target this extremely well-validated pathway that has literally thousands of human clinical trials done on the the basic versions of these drugs um, and use that sort of as our platform for uh, for de-risking these compounds again to, to get back to your question of you know, how can you be successful in fundraising here? I think the other really important thing is um, making sure to build for the long term, starting from day zero. So something that I really like about BioAge and that we've tried to do at Cambrian as well is not overselling what we have under the hood. It has been a key recipe for success from day one for Cambrian, right? When we talk about what we're going to accomplish, there is this North Star, this big vision of we will hopefully be able to generate new drugs that can slow down the aging process, preventing multiple diseases. But let's value ourselves today based 
just around the potential of our drugs to target these individual diseases. And if we can make an investment case that works within the existing biotech investment environment, even a pessimistic biotech investment environment like we're seeing today, both us and our investors can be extremely happy if we are able to turn the key and unlock this multi-disease prevention longevity uh, market later on down the line. And so I think by being conservative and thoughtful and efficient with our cash, that's actually allowed us to um, raise a lot more capital, be able to acquire this diverse pipeline of, of new compounds and move those forward with confidence, almost irrespective of, of how the market has looked around us. Those are very good answers. And I just, for the benefit of the uh, longevity forum audience, I'll say that uh, most of you might not know that the biotech sector, excluding the big pharma companies, is down by anything up to 80% in the last year in terms of stock market performance, and that half of all NASDAQ biotech companies are selling it below their cash on their balance sheets. Um, so both at the company that I'm the chairman of and co-founder Juvenescence and at BioAge and at Cambria, I'm sure we're all very grateful we didn't manage or didn't go public in the last couple of years because we would have been tainted by the carnage. Uh, and that's a very good thing. Uh, I do want to ask you both, uh, and I'm afraid I, I'm going to go to Kristen first again, James, but your answers have been very complimentary and, and very, uh, very good and, and slightly different, which is wonderful. But in this particular question, I wonder how you'll answer it. My parents are both 93 years old. And, you know, they exhibit that they're sharp as, as nails and all that sort of stuff in terms of their brains. But, you know, they've got the frailties of old age. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, is there any hope for people of in their 80s, 90s, even 100, for some of the stuff that you and others are working on to make an impact in their lives? Or is it basically that that ship has sailed as far as they're concerned? That's a hard question. All of these medicines, none of them are approved yet, and it is going to take time. It's going to take time for that first indication. It's going to take time for them to be approved, certainly for a broader label as well. Certainly, like in the case of, you know, some of the indications we're pursuing first for muscle aging, it could go first to an older population suffering a particular muscle disease, type of muscle atrophy but it's probably going to, I would say, a decade or more before there's more broader adoption of some of these first longevity therapeutics. Right. So you're, you're, you're being very polite. In other words, you're saying it's probably too late for them. What about you, James? In broad strokes, I agree. Right. The, the major revolution that is happening today with this field is not an overnight change, and it has not arrived to the average, to the average person yet. Right? The science is still early here, and the tool that we have for determining what drugs are you know, very promising, especially in mice, but also work in humans, is a randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled clinical trial. And these studies just have not been done for aging yet. We can do them, and they will come uh, once these you know, first safety and efficacy studies and specific indications happen, but they have not yet. And so it will be, you know, at least seven years, I would say, until those studies can be done, even if we start today. And, you know, and I get questions all the time like this, Jim, and, and it, to be honest, 
my take, if I can go a little bit off script here, be a little bit uh, less a a you know just biotech company CEO when dealing with these very human issues, um, I recommend people to think about where they would be on their risk to benefit ratios depending on what age they're at, right? So there are a series of things that work in mice but have not been tested in humans. We ta- I mentioned earlier this rapamycin compound. There are drugs like metformin, right? There are things like supplementation with, with NAD, usually through infusion, that all have some compelling, uh, some compelling data in animal studies. And if I were a 90-something-year-old, I would probably be more willing to experiment with some of those things uh, because my risks, my my risk-benefit slider would be a little bit different. But not all of those things are safe. Not all of them are necessarily going to work. And so I think it's right now really on the individual, their doctors and, and advisors to figure out how they want to lean into this sort of wild west of longevity science that exists right now. And folks like myself and and Kristen will hopefully start cleaning up that wild west into something that's much more actionable and proven over the next decade. Yeah, that, that both extremely good answers. And, and uh, you know, you're right. I mean, if you're 90 plus years old, you know, why not if you're in reasonably good health? And I will be talking to my parents about exactly that. And the great, the only good thing about being 90 plus is that your risk of cancer goes down to almost right. nothing post 90, which most most people are not aware of, uh, and uh, so that, that's a that's a positive when you turn 90. I, we're we're coming to towards the end of this particular podcast, and I want to ask you uh, two questions each, and they're the same questions for both of you. The first thing is that in your company, so starting with you, Kristen, again. In BioAge, what is the single most impactful thing that you're working on at the moment that you have very high hopes for? And then secondly, and the same questions apply to you, James, as well, what is the single most impactful thing that you've seen elsewhere in the field that you think will have a very major impact on the science of longevity and the gerontology in, in the, let's say, next 10 years? So the two things, one from your own companies and one from elsewhere in the field that you think are going to have a tremendous impact over the next decade. Starting with you, Kristen. So, so internally at BioAge, I'm, I'm going to cheat and say that the most exciting thing is the platform. <laughs> we are very deliberately not you know, a single molecule, a single bet kind of company. And we believe that by looking at human data, we're going to discover a lot of different important mechanisms for aging. And some of those first bets are in the clinic today or very near to the clinic today. Um, and that's really sort of the first wave of what's going to come out of the platform. And I believe, you know, really that, you know, with BioAge, with Cambrian, with all these companies, we're really just at the tip of the iceberg. And there's going to be a lot of different promising mechanisms that can be complementary, that can work together uh, to really impact aging. And, and related to that, your second question, right? I, there's, there's important new discoveries being made in aging all the time. And one of the really cool recent ones that's been the subject of a lot of attention is this idea of um, reprogramming, basically, right? That you can reset some older cells to behave more like younger ones with the right cocktail of factors. And even though that's early stage science today, um, I think that could translate into very substantial uh, gains in lifespan and healthspan in the future. 
Oh, so you're talking about the Altos type of... Uh, yeah, epigenetic reprogramming as a concept. Yeah, exactly. Altos right. and, and Retro, New Limit. Uh, there's a lot of companies and, and dollars going into the space right now, and I'm excited to see what happens there. Yeah, I, I'm going to sign myself up for one of those trials as soon as possible. Um, James, what, what about you? First of all, going second is just just the worst here because Kristen stole my uh, next stole time. My I guarantee well. you'll be first, James. Next, no, week. no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, but but I do want to echo the fact. That I think one of the recipes for success in building a company in this space is this diversification uh, angle. So, like similar to Kristen's point about her platform, I, I always tell people it's bad form to, to pick your favorite children. I think that's that's a little bit of a cop out answer. We have close to twenty programs in development under the Cambrian umbrella now, uh, but I can maybe briefly mention one of the the most recent one that we kind of unveiled to the world, which I think is a fascinating bit of science, uh, which is a program under Cambrian called Oviva, and so Oviva targets a mechanism of aging that I think a lot of people in the field don't commonly think about, which is the aging of the ovary. And so the ovary is actually an organ that ages faster than the rest of our body. It's asynchronously aging. You know, girls are born with a few hundred thousand eggs, and those decline at about 1,000 eggs per menstrual, menstrual cycle as they undergo what's called follicular genesis. And so a group at Harvard actually found the initiating factor that causes follicular genesis to begin. And by keeping the brakes constantly on, they were able to stop that follicular genesis process and preserve those eggs in the ovary. And as long as there are eggs there, the ovary doesn't have a signal to undergo this senescence, this premature aging. And I think that program is just like fascinating and also very different than what we've seen in the rest of the longevity and geroscience field. So it's one that I think is a, a cool program that we can explore within this uh, portfolio approach that Cambrian has. But you've got to answer the second question now, which exactly. is what about elsewhere in the, the field that you're excited so about? So elsewhere in the world, I think one of the other fields that a lot of folks have their eyes on that has that really kind of you know took off when the aging space started has been the senescent cell biology field there was one relatively high profile miss there from a public company unity biosciences but i think that the overall biology underlying this idea of senescent cells and their uh, the role that those cells play in multiple different diseases is something that's still being understood and explored now by many more players with much better molecules that have taken a little bit more time to move from discovery to pre either late preclinical or early clinical trials. And so there's probably three or four groups that are not part of Cambrian. Uh, there's Unity, there's Deciduous, there's a group called Dorian, uh, and then there's another group that I helped kick off at my previous firm uh, called Clira that are all doing interesting things in the senescent cell biology space. And I would keep an eye on you know one or more of those compounds to make a big impact. And once one does, I think it will be really, really important to this space. That's great. I love the name Dorian because obviously it comes from Oscar Wilde. And Indeed. What a, what a fabulous name for a company. Wish I'd thought of that one. 
Look, you two have been absolutely fabulous on this. We are, uh, all three of us, going to be in London in November for the uh, Longevity Week in at a variety of events, one of which will no doubt be the Longevity Biotech Association event. And you can please come along to those events. And, uh, you know, we'll also put, if we may, your website details for both Cambrian and for BioAge on the on our website, that's the Longevity Forum, so people can look what you're up to. And both of you are running exceptionally exciting, interesting companies. You're both wonderful people. And with that, I wish everyone fantastic week. This broadcast has been brought to you by Longevity Forum as part of Longevity Week 2022. For more podcasts, visit our website, thelongevityforum.com, or follow us on Twitter, longevity underscore forum.